The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. How much segregated cycling facilities do you think there are in Dublin at present, as in bike lanes? Apparently it's just 10 kilometres. The plan is to add another 60 kilometres, six times as many between this year and next year, and then another 80 kilometres by 2027 which is going to require an enormous amount of work. Uh, We're joined by Ellen Cullen from the Dublin Cycling Campaign, where she's its chairperson. Ellen, thank you very much for joining us. Most of these additional cycling cycling lanes, where are they going to be? Is it going to be an expansion into footpaths or is it going to be taking over bus lanes or how is it going to be done? Um, A lot of it is um, lanes are there already and making them permanent. So, you know, those painted tracks on the side of the road. A lot of the interim measures are coming through first. So the majority of the stuff that's happening from now until 2024 is either stuff that's separate, like the canals and the Dodder, so nothing to do with traffic at the moment, or current lanes that are already there painted on, but making them, making them more permanent by putting on, like, bolted-on curbs, things like that. What do you mean by bolted-on curbs? So... In the past, um, the city council has put in the kind of the high, the high bollards, the kind of bollards are about half a metre high. I think a lot of people object to those visually. Um, so it's been rolled down on Griffith Avenue on the north side. They're kind of, pla- they, they look kind of like concrete. They're curbs, they're bolted in and they've got short stubby um, um, bollards on the top. So they're less visually intrusive. They offer a bit more protection to people in the cycle lane. Yeah. Are these safe for the cyclists? They're a lot safer than um, having to pull out of a cycle lane out or into moving traffic to navigate around parked cars, and that would be a big issue. People who uh, who don't cycle, I think, don't realise they just you know they just pop into the cycle lane for a minute um, in front of the doctor or something, and they think it's no big deal. But like I cycle, I've got four kids, and I'm cycling on the cycle lane, and there's a car in front. I have to negotiate moving out into moving traffic around the car. You also have to negotiate. Presume that the person might open the doors. So you have to go right out around the door and around. And that's far more dangerous. So having protection from the traffic and having the lane pretty much guaranteed clear make a huge difference. Yeah, I've seen these uh, the various uh, bo- the bollards been used near where I live, and it keeps the cars from parking in the cycling lane. Mm. Except then there's always the brakes to allow for the bus stops. So everyone yeah. who cycles in a bus in a cycling lane suddenly has to navigate a way out and around the bus as it's getting passengers on and off. Yeah, but often what you do, to be honest, is you just sit behind the bus and you wait because the buses aren't there too long. Again, if you're a more um, confident cyclist, you'll pull out, you'll cycle around. And if you're kind of less confident or you're with kids, you'll probably just sit back behind the bus and wait. When the bus move off, then you take off. It's not ideal. But these, a lot of these measures the next two years are interim measures. They're a step in the right direction. They're not the final goal. They're a step in the right direction. And like you said, going from 10 kilometres to 60 is going to make such a huge difference that we'll accept... We're happy to accept some compromises now for the long term. Last weekend, I actually happened to be just coming in the Clontar Fairview way and I saw Mm. an enormous amount of work been done on the construction of new cycle lanes and it looked like a hell of a big job. Is that the type of thing that we're going to be seeing all over the city over the next two years? Well, the Clontar job is particularly big because um, there's a very old water main, Victorian water main along there as well. So basically it started off as we're putting the cycle lane and then then it was kind of Irish water. Oh, well, when you're putting in the cycle lane, when you've got the road, dug up anyway can we deal with this water main so the Clontarf project is particularly big because there's other things going on as well um, but I mean the, 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 the projects will vary depending on the location depending on the, the route some routes are more straightforward than others but the Clontarf one would be 
a particularly complicated big project. Are there some routes where the bus lanes are going to have to be sacrificed to make way for the cycle lanes because there isn't space so maybe to move left and to expand into where the pavements are to move the pavements a bit further in? I think there's some pinch points, but I don't think there's any continuous bus lanes being compromised. Like, I don't have the details of every single project. What we do is we farm out different routes to different volunteers to go into a minute detail. So I have more of an overview. But my understanding is there's some small sections where there's some small time sections of bus lane which are going to be um, compromised for cycle lanes in the short term. I'm not sure what the long-term plan on those routes is. Again, the interim measures will do things that a long-term permanent route mightn't do. And to some extent, the interim measures are a way of proving proof of concept, proving that people will use them. Um, like, like the coastal mobility route in Dunleary did, the, the use of bikes down there was very low compared to the north side version in Clontarf. But once the protection was put in, the numbers shot up. And that's, that's the purpose of these interim measures is to put in the measures see if people use them and see how many people use them, see how the routes are used and then build the route the way people will actually use them rather than how you think people will use them. How worried would you be that the budget might run out to do everything that's planned? And the reason I ask that is when we see recently what's described as the Liffey cycle scheme, that the budget for that has gone up from €20 million. Euro. Apparently it's now going to cost €100 million. Euro. Um, it'll depend on the projects. I suppose it's to put it in context that Cycling infrastructure is cheap compared to um, public transport and road building projects, and it's fast. Um, so we, a lot can be, uh, you can put in a lot of cycling infrastructure. Uh, Copenhagen wanted to had um, a congestion problem back in the 90s, and they knew that they couldn't get the underground built fast enough to ease the congestion in the short term, a bit like our Metrolink. So they enhanced the cycling infrastructure to ease congestion in the city in order to build their public transport. And the, the, it was cheap, it was quick, and then it, cycling just took off and the quality of life of people in Copenhagen just took off. And I'd love to see that, that same for Dublin, that, that quali- our quality of life improve. And the, pr- the proof of concept, once the concept's proved, it's shown what good value for money it is and that the more projects will be rolled out. Okay, one final one, and there are some listeners want to know that if all of this uh, infrastructure is put in place, Well, cyclists definitely use it because a lot of people complain that cyclists don't use the existing cycle lanes and cycle out with the buses and with the cars. I suppose the big thing is people will cycle if they feel safe. There's been a series of surveys done in Ireland and internationally that show about 60% of people would like to cycle. It varies, but around 60% of people would like to cycle. And in Ireland nationally, it's only something like 2% of people who cycle. And in Dublin, it's between 5 and 10%, depending where you are in the city. And when you ask people why they aren't cycling, is they don't feel safe. So if you built safe, segregated cycle lanes, people will use them. If people feel safe, people will use them. If people don't feel safe, if they're full of glass, if cars are parked in them, people won't use them. So it's about building, building stuff, building routes that are safe, that are convenient, and then people will use them. And the coastal mobility route in, in Dunleary proved that point really, really well. Thank you very much for being with us. Ellen Cullen, chairperson of the Dublin Cycling Campaign. Thanks for the listener who's come back to say that the Bloods Labs in the hospital in St Vincent's open 24-7, 365 days a year. Results automatically transmitted to a computer to be reviewed in the ward. Results for ED usually available within 60 minutes, but the problem occurs when patients sit for 12 hours before being seen, uh, taking bloods at triage, so results available 
doctor sees them the first time. Uh, another listener says, yes, iPads for nurses, please. Spent 16 hours on Friday night, Saturday in Letterkenny University Hospital ED. Watch a nurse write down all my nurse nieces' obs on a napkin. The health system is broken and I fear beyond repair. And then a listener saying that the cycle lane on Parkgate Street in Dublin is always blocked by parked Garda cars when the Central Criminal Court is sitting. Back after this. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.